Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome again to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. I'm Dan Carson, and with me I have Chris Vines. Hey guys, it's good to be back. Well, we are back. This is the first podcast of the year of 2022 for us. And so whether you're listening during 2022 or it is later, maybe even much later, things seem to live forever out on the internet, uh, we're th- thrilled that you've joined us for this conversation about student ministry. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking with a good friend of ours, Dave Vandegrift, about what it's like um, to stay and have a long-term ministry and and what do you do and how do you know when it's time to make some changes? And so we're going to get to that in just a minute. But before we do that, um, I want to tell you about our podcast spot, sponsor, Central Baptist College of Conway. It is challenging, engaging, inspiring. It's a great place for your students to check out if they're trying to figure out what's next for them in their college education. Now, the three of us all have a great connection to CBC. Um, Chris and Dave and I are all graduates, but Dave and I actually have kids that go there or, well, he's had one child. She's graduated, I believe. Is that right, Dave? That is correct. I've got one that graduated last year and another one that's a freshman this year. Yep. And the cool thing is my daughter kind of falls in in between age-wise, and so it is great uh, to, to have that connection, to see my friends, when I go back for homecoming or when I go to drop off my, my daughter, I get to see college friends. But CBC is a great place. You want to check it out. They can find more information at cbc.edu. Well, Dave, it is great to have you on the podcast. Um, we've known each other for quite a while now. Um, my freshman year of college, I think, is when we first met. But our connection goes back even a little bit further. You grew up in a little town in Missouri. What's the name of that town? Potosi, Missouri. Yeah. Yes, I grew up there, lived there all of my, I, we we went back there. My parents grew up there. Um, I was born in Illinois, and then we moved back, actually, Indiana. We lived in the Chicago area, and then we went back there um, probably my, my kindergarten year. So I was there from kindergarten all the way through graduation. Dave and I have a distinction uh, among other things. We share a birthday, not the exact same day. He's exactly one year older than I am, Um, but both have a a birthday that we share. And I lived in Potosi for a short amount of time. So I'm sure that we maybe ran into each other because Potosi wasn't exactly the big thriving metropolis. It was about at that time, maybe two to 3000 people, little mining community. Where exactly is that located at Dave? It's about an hour and a half southwest of St. Louis. So if you're driving up uh, 67 from Little Rock to St. Louis, you get off about 30 minutes uh, up that way. And it's, like I said, about an hour and a half southwest of St. Louis. You, you don't ever go through Potosi. You're either going to Potosi or you have no idea it's there. 
There's a lot of towns in Arkansas like that as well. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to be going there. Right. And so I was going to say, if you happen to find yourself in Potosi, where would somebody go out to eat? When I was there, you would just have to find me and come to my house. We had a Hardee's. <laughs> Hardee's okay. and Kentucky Fried Chicken. That was it growing up. Uh, now they've, you know, they've got a McDonald's and a Taco Bell, and and hey, there's some mom and pop. There's a pretty good little um, a barbecue shop there, and so there, there's not a lot. I mean, you're probably better off going to the grocery store and buying some sandwiches and just going and eating it somewhere. <laughs> but um, you know, that's about all I can tell you. Expect your basic fast foods, and that's about it. Pretty much, Dave is saying. If you're hungry while going through Potosi, just keep going and you'll find something better. Yeah, just drive another drive another hour and a half. St. Louis has everything you could need. That's true. <laughs> we are thrilled to have Dave on the podcast today. Um, again, my history with Dave goes way back, and I, I love that. I love that we had chance to spend college together. He was in my wedding. Um, just a lot of things we've been connected for for some time. Uh, but I wanted him to come on as we talk about this subject of long-term student ministry. I mean, I'll tell you, they're, the, the stereotype is someone lasts for two years, 18 months to two years, and boom, they're done and they move on. Uh, but we know, and and I believe that Chris is in full agreement here, long-term ministry is is the better way to go. It's something we we want to see happen, but we need help in that process. Before we get to, to something heavy, though, let's let's talk about the important stuff. Uh, Dave and I share some passions of, of kind of nerdy things, and that's okay. So let me ask you, Dave. That's more than okay, Dan. That's awesome. It is okay. awesome. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> so if you are watching something Star Wars, what is your favorite Star Wars movie or show now? Now that Disney Plus is out and got some shows going, um, well, right now, I think two we've got Book of Boba Fett's out now too, and oh yes, so some good stuff going on. But yeah, well, if I have to go to an all-time favorite, uh, I'm old school, and Empire Strikes Back is definitely it's probably number one on my movie list. Not even just Star Wars list; it's probably number one on the movie list. I mean, I just love that movie, uh, which may show you how dark I may be. But I, I just think it's it's brilliant and it's great, and so that's my favorite. But let's just be honest: The Mandalorian has done some amazing things, and you can't go wrong with The Mandalorian. And I'm so excited about season three. I know, I just love that stuff. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I haven't I haven't quite formed an opinion yet about the Book of Boba Fett. It's good. But yeah, it's, still it's not as good as The Mandalorian. I don't think yeah. it's hooked me like that did. It's still got some great things in it, but I'm having to remind myself that the Book of Boba Fett really is happening right after Return of the Jedi. Uh, yeah. No, is that right? No, a big chunk of yeah. it is. Yeah, a big chunk of it is after Return of the Jedi. And like right. That, so. And so, you know, I'm I'm having that problem of is he's supposed to be a bad guy. Right. <laughs> but now he's the good guy, which everything is doing now. Oh, he was the bad person. She was the bad person. But now, you know, Krell is the good person. And they're doing that with everything now. So, you know, I'm having to, I'm having to waver on all that stuff. Well, the other thing I got to ask about is, you know, it, it's so much of society. I, I got to tell you, in early 2000s, if you were going to go see a comic book movie, uh, you were in a minority. But now... Yes. 
it is everybody. It's mainstream. And so, so what's your favorite MCU Marvel movie or maybe even TV show? Man, see, now that's hard because there's like there's like 24, 23 movies yeah, out now. It's crazy, man. And then I, I with the TV show, I think you have to classify them different. I don't think you can put pick a best of all of them. I think you kind of got to say a best TV show and a best movie. Okay. TV show, that one's, that one's, and it's all hard. I really liked Hawkeye. Yeah. Now, the first one with WandaVision, I thought, I'm going to hate this. And it blew me away. I mean, I loved it. And then Loki is just incredible. But I loved Hawkeye. And, you know, I thought what they did there was just incredible. So probably my favorite one of all those was Hawkeye. And I can't really explain why. It's you the know, dad I, factor, man. We're all three dads here. <laughs> it may be the dad factor. You may be right. Yeah. <laughs> and and the fact that maybe maybe it's you know the the Batman Bruce Wayne. He's he's the one superhero in Marvel that has no superhero abilities other than he's got great aim. I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You I think know, there's so. a, I think there's a vulnerability there, you know, yeah. let's just go, let's just go really deep and, and say he's already vulnerable because he doesn't have any kind of superpower, but then you go a deep dive into just a little bit more of who he is, which they've right. already been kind of playing that off with his relationship with, uh, you know, black widow in, in other right. movies. And so, you know, now you just kind of get to see a different side of him, um, the family side and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think there is a dad factor there, Dan. And I think the the communication that the two girls in it had was just phenomenal. I mean, just hilarious the way, you know, Yelena and, and yeah. the, the way they just communicated yeah. like on the, on the elevator, just great. Yeah. And yeah. so, and, and I'm a, I want to say this about the whole MCU thing. I think the reason why they've gotten it right. And I know, Dan, you've said before, I'm a fan of DC's comic books, but Marvel's movies, because DC's comic books have just got it wrong lately. And, and yeah. I think one of the brilliant things about the MCU has been they've they've really humanized it. They haven't let it be so dark. It's really funny. Yeah. And if I'm going to see a movie, yeah, I want to see stuff blow up. I want to see cool things happen. I want to see twists and turns, but man, I want to laugh my head off. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, when you've known me as long as you've known me, I like to laugh Yep. and I, I don't want to laugh at just dumb stuff. I want some, even some intelligent stuff to laugh at. And they've just nailed that. I mean, they've yeah. just nailed it. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's part of that. And then I guess if you want me to go to the movie side, that's hard because my daughters will tell you that I watched the guardians of the galaxy way too many times. And that's probably true. Um, but again, the humor in it was just great. Right? Um, Thor Ragnarok was brilliant because it was not what anybody was really expecting. And it was hilarious and it was, it showed some iconic things, but I hear you Chris with the, the latest Spider-Man, it was brilliant and seeing what they did was just genius. Yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't as good as as and I put I put um, Infinity War and Endgame together because really that's one movie. It's just yeah. one really long yeah. movie. 
what they did there was outstanding. And so I'd say that's the culmination of taking the years, the, the 10 or so years to bring it to where they went. Brilliant. So, yeah, I'd probably say that. Well, you could ease. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to jump in there. I'll say, you know, I agree with you. I, I, I think I think the new Spider-Man is is definitely up there just to kind of undergird like what you're saying, the brilliance behind just them making these movies. And I wonder, like, is there some like are they kind of are they shooting from the hip on some of this? I feel like I feel like they might be. Uh, mm-hmm. But also knowing that there's some some real strategy that's going into play here. But the fact and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it at this point. The fact that they're bringing in this whole multiverse, you know, idea. I mean, it's not the first time that they're doing this, but I mean, just how they're doing it and and how they're connecting and bringing things together that have really up until this point, we never even thought that they would do. It's pretty cool to me, or at least I never thought that they would do it. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. And so, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's brilliant story writing. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if John Favreau is a, is just a more borderline genius when it comes to this stuff. Like yeah. he's come a long way since replacements. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and because, because his, you go back to the star Wars stuff and what he did with Mandalorian and now book of Boba Fett. And we're all just giddy over Obi-Wan. Um, <sighs> Yeah, that's what the new Star Wars movie should have been. Yeah, that's what yeah. it should have been, and it yeah. should have been that good, and just wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and as far as let me just say one other thing about the new Spider-Man movie, we're all disappointed there was no Spider-Pig. Come on, Spider-Pig, we should have had him. Cartoon <laughs> Spider-Pig, it's a multiverse. Oh, Let's oh do my it. Gosh. Come on, you know, I mean, he's coming. He's coming. Hey, let me let me ask you a real question. Do you okay. think, like, in my mind, this is how, like, I, I'm trying to connect in my mind, and it's not that hard to do, I don't guess, but I, I make things hard sometimes. The the shows and the movies, um, like, I almost see like the movies as kind of like the the bricks and all these shows that they're doing is just kind of the mortar in between. Um, would yes. you guys agree with that? Like, yeah. and, and just and you're just kind of seeing them build this 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 house, this mansion, if you will, of just. I think what they're doing is because they completely within game ended what was before. And so they're taking these TV shows and they're building what they're going to do in the future. And so I think they're kind of saying, yep, here's our bread and butter from the past, but we're going to build the future on it. So I think you're dead on. It's, it's mortar for what's to come. Yeah. It's pretty cool to see. Well, that extra kind of deeper level, when you look at, the, the TV shows that have come out so far on Disney Plus for the MCU, they've all been kind of dealing with the trauma and the emotional side of what happened with that blip and the after effects of it and, and just kind of sorting through all of that mess. You know, and again, it's a TV show. It's yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> and we could have some deep conversation about it, but guess what? It's yeah. it's a TV show. It is. We're not it supposed is. to ask what happened to the people who were flying in planes who blipped out. Five yeah, years later when they blip, we're not supposed to ask those questions. Just forget about it and move on with the story. So all you Man. people who are asking those dumb questions, just quit. Just watch the movie and enjoy it. Don't bring it down for the rest of us. Oh, man. Dan, I know you're trying to transition us to the serious thought here. I'm going to just say this. I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I'm kind of thinking that Marvel might be in control of the whole COVID situation because – it's a little bit too convenient, the fact that they're dealing with the anxiety and depression of the blip now in just kind of this perfect timing of where we've kind of felt like we've had our own little blip. You know what I mean? 
Oh man, but I'm just saying. That's deep thoughts there, man. Wow, that's, that's too much for uh, our little podcast. Yeah. Oh, my brain is starting to hurt. Holy cow! <laughs> Let's just call that 15 minutes a blip and move on to the the real podcast. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, we do want to talk about our topic before we just get mired down too far in Star Wars and the MCU. And we're very happy to have Dave with us. I'm going to have him basically introduce himself in a lot of ways. I wanted him to start by just telling us how he came to know Jesus and um, then maybe talk about why he's in ministry at all. I mean, why do that? Why why is he not in TV production or you know anything crazy along those lines? So how did you come to know Jesus, Dave? Well, um, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor in Potosi. Dan, you can you can correlate this. I think one of the churches you went to was a little church out in the middle of nowhere, right? You went to White Oak, is that right? White Oak Grove Missionary Baptist Church. Yeah, which is where, where I met I'm, Jesus too. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's my cousin <laughs> and my aunt went out there. That's okay. where they went. So I definitely had some run-ins with you back then. Um <laughs> But uh, so I grew up in a, a pastor's home. I heard the preaching. I heard the gospel all the time. And even though we kind of don't do this anymore, we certainly don't at our church. I was in children's church and I was at First Baptist Church in Potosi, Missouri, and they had a children's church. And so I was there and I heard the preacher preaching. And like most typical people, I, I couldn't tell you what he was preaching. I just knew that I was lost. Through his preaching, I knew that I was a sinner. And once I realized I was a sinner, I needed to be saved. And so at that invitation, I went forward and he said, you know, other kids went forward. And he came up to me, the preacher did, and uh, his name was Gary. And he said, David, are you up here because all these other people are up here? Or are you up here for something else? And I said, I'm up here because I need to be saved. And uh, he said, well, let's talk about that. And, and he led me through salvation. And I accepted Christ as my Savior right there, trusted full faith in him right there. And I was, uh, it was in 1980. I was nine years old. And um, I accepted Christ as my Savior right there. That night I was baptized. Now let me stop for just a moment and say, parents, if you have children who are that young, maybe even a little bit older, I wouldn't recommend that you baptize them right there. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I would say, you know, maybe test their faith a little bit. Maybe ask them some questions. Make sure that they know what they're talking yeah. about. And, and, you know, I praise God because I, I do feel like I knew what I knew I needed a Savior. I knew Jesus was... Uh, God and he was man and he died for my sins and rose from the grave. I believe that completely. And I, I put my trust and faith in him that day. And, um, you know, I know it's not some big God miraculously changed me from all of my horrendous sin. You know, I'm just the normal average guy, but I'm the normal average guy. And that means, and I'm, I'm a sinner. And I recognized that and trusted in him that day. So that's that's really my salvation story. There's not a whole lot to it because it's not like my life was changed on the outside a whole lot after that. I mean, I was always a good kid. I didn't do a lot of bad things. I mean, I grew up in the house where the, the you know, drinking and smoking and all that was just bad and a sin. And so I believed all that. So, you know, there wasn't this huge outward change, but there was definitely an inward change and a trust. And that's what it takes. That's what scripture tells us. Yeah. 
It is. It is. Well, f- fast forward, I guess, a little ways. What led you to ministry? I mean, was that something that was going on before you went to Bible college, or was it something that hit you while you were there? What's that look like? No, one of the things about me in high school is I really had no direction. I, I was I played drums. I was a singer, and that was about it. I was I went to youth group. Um, I was very faithful to the Lord in that. Um, but my youth pastor, Mike Leffler, who's at Central Baptist Church in Conway, he I didn't know where I was going to go to college. And so he said, well, come with me. I want to take you to Central Baptist College, and let's just see. So I went there, got in the choir, tried out for the choir, made the choir, knew I wanted to do music, so started a music program, just a, a basic general music degree. While at CBC, um, I became the sound man for the Central Singers there, and Jim Courtney, who ran that ministry, and I was in all, all of Jim Courtney's classes because he was the head of the music department and you know, taught theory and taught all those things, and I just loved all that. And I realized, and I didn't realize this until later that I was starting to get this, but even though I grew up a pretty good kid, and a saved kid, and in youth group, I wasn't really doing anything to share my faith with those friends at school. It was like so many people that had segregated their life out. And, you know, I had my church life and I had my school life. So I didn't really do a whole lot to talk to my friends about Christ. And I started realizing that I never did that. So there was a part of me in there wanting to do that. And then one day in the hallway... And I don't know why he said it. I don't know what he was really thinking about. I almost wondered, do you really mean that? But Jim Courtney just stopped me in the hallway. And, you know, I wasn't going to any music class. He was just leaving. I was coming. And he just said, David, when are you going to surrender to ministry? And he just kept walking. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know that I've ever really thought about that. Um, And so that just kind of. That just kind of got me to thinking. I wasn't really thinking about it. I knew I wanted to make a difference. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew it was going to be in music. He said that, and all that week I was just like, my goodness, maybe that is something. I got a lot of friends here in ministry. I want to make a difference. I believe in the local church. And so then that Sunday I was actually at Central Baptist Church in Conway, and Bobby Tucker was preaching. And again, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe this is my lesson. You know, I don't remember what preachers actually preach a lot back then, you know, what they were specifically preaching. I know he was talking about youth ministry, though. And I just, I was just like, let me, let me preface this. There was not some aura feeling that came over me that said, oh, you are supposed to be a youth pastor and a music pastor. It it wasn't that. It it wasn't this mystical God gave me a vision, just because I don't really believe in that stuff. I think God has given us a vision, and it's his word. That's our vision. I, I I just had this desire, and I think that's the best word I can use just this desire to be in ministry. And of course, back then, I didn't recognize that as a preaching ministry because you could be a youth and music pastor and not be a preacher. Yeah. Um, at least we, we really thought that. 
uh, <laughs> even though every Wednesday night, what were we doing? We were preaching to our youth group. So, um, but, but it was just a strong urge and this desire. And I went forward that day. And again, Don Chandler said, what are you doing up here? And I said, I, I want to surrender to the youth and music ministry. And it just kind of went from there through different thing, feelings I was having and thoughts I was having and different questions that people were asking me, specific pointed questions, um, and even just various conversation and parts of life kind of led me to be in the youth ministries and the music ministry. So yeah, that's, that's really where it came from. Again, I'm just a normal guy. There's nothing supernatural about what's going on with me other than the fact how supernatural it is that God would even want to save uh, a crazy goofball like me. So that's kind of my story there. Well, I love hearing those stories uh, because they're all slightly different. My, my call to ministry is different than yours. It's probably different than Chris's. And it just, I love that because when we can share that people can find themselves somewhere in that story and, and think, okay, well, maybe God is calling me. Maybe God wants me to serve in that way. I think that you mentioned a word that, that we find in Scripture, this word to desire for ministry. Um, that's Absolutely. That's part of your heart and makeup. And, and God was leading you that way, giving you that desire. You know, looking at somebody's salvation, looking at their ministry, um, their call to ministry, rather, it is they're important for us to know because that kind of gives us a background. And after Central Baptist College, you graduated in 94? I believe. Yes. Yes. Right so in 94. You went to a ministry place right after that. And was that in Texarkana? It was in Texarkana, which is actually a funny story that I'll try to shorten for you. I was actually supposed to look at going down there earlier that year, probably February, March. They had been talking to me. I had a good friend, Greg Redden, who was from there. And, um, you know, he said something to me, Carol, who I've started CBC with, Carol Redden Guthrie now. And I was actually supposed to, to look at going there. And then shortly before I graduated, um, their pastor left. And I thought, and it, it wasn't a good leaving. It was, it was a pretty damaging thing. And um, the church was just kind of in disarray. And I thought that's not a good place for me as young as I am to start a ministry. And then, um, so, so I turned it down. I remember Greg actually saying, that's probably a good idea. And, uh, and so, but then about, well, it was June 10th. And I remember that date because I was married on June 11th of that year. The interim pastor called me. This was a month later after I had said no and said, hey, listen, I know you said no. I know that that was probably wise. But I also want you to know that in the month uh, since all that's happened, this church has really turned a corner and changed. And I want you just to consider, he said, I haven't talked to any deacons or leadership or anything, and I'm just the interim, but I want you to consider maybe coming just for the summer. And I said, oh, uh, okay. And I was like, I'm getting married tomorrow. I was looking for a job, but had no job because I thought about a couple of other jobs that fell through. And so, you know, long story short, I ended up going there just for the summer. And he said, if it works out for you and it works out for us and we want to make it long term, great. If it doesn't work for you and at the end of the summer you want to go somewhere else, that's fine. Or if we want to do something different, you know, we reserve that right. And we were on the same page. And I guess that summer lasted about 13 and a half years. 
So, because I stayed there for 13 and a half years after that, and it was a sweet time. It was really a good church. Uh, Central Baptist Church in Texarkana, Arkansas. 13 and a half years. Yeah. That is, I don't want to say unheard of in student ministry, but it is definitely the exception. Yeah. Um, and then you went from there to First Kelties in Lufkin, and you've been there since when? I've been here now for almost 14 years. I came here in 2008, late January, early February of 2008, uh, and I've been here ever since. That's long-term ministry. Now, I know your position changed. You went from being the student and worship pastor to now your worship and media. Yeah, technically, pastor of music and media, yes. Right. And then now, that was in, I think, 2017 is when that transition happened, but now... <laughs> Something's happening, isn't it? Yeah. Well, our youth pastor, who, and I, we can talk more about this in a little bit. He was he was my right hand guy, and it was time for me to move out of that and him into that. And um, this year, he is he has resigned. That he's still a pastor on staff. He's one of our elders, um, but he's stepping out of the youth ministry. It's just too much for somebody who's a full time school teacher. Right. And doing graduate work, and I don't know how he's done what he's done. He's done a fantastic job, but um, I'm stepping back into youth ministry part part time. And when I say part time, I mean until we hire somebody. <laughs> so <laughs> this is not a permanent, long term solution. I am the short term solution to a problem. Uh, again, you you've served in student ministry for a long time. Yeah. And you had two two very long stints. And so we get to this idea of long-term ministry. And so just to, to get us thinking about that, why would you say a long-term ministry is a good thing? I'll, I'll answer that question by asking this question. Uh-oh. Why is a long-term marriage a good thing? <laughs> you know, I mean. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, we we see these these divorces happening, and I'm not saying that you know if you're a youth pastor somewhere, you're a youth pastor for life. That's not why I ask that question. You know, you're not a, you don't you're not going to be the youth pastor there forever. But if you're only there for 18 months, in my experience, anywhere past four years, five years, maybe even longer, you're really not the youth pastor. I mean, I don't see how guys who were at, I think I see why, but I don't understand how they can minister because when you're there for 18 months, I mean, think about the first 18 months you're there. I know for me, the first 18 months I was in Texarkana and the first 18 months I was here in, um, in Lufkin, I would get all the time, well, you know, our, our last youth pastor did this and you know, our last youth pastor did that, and and we had people going on vacation with the last youth pastor, and that's great. I mean, I'm glad they're friends. I'm I'm glad they've got that relationship. But but what that told me is, in their eyes, I'm still not fully really the youth pastor, or I'm still not really the 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 pastor. You know, a pastor of a church goes in, and and you're still trying to build your relationships. You're still trying to build who you are and what you're about and what you're going to do. And you're trying to, to, to set those, those things that, that are going to make your youth ministry, your youth ministry. And so if you, you're just now after 18 months getting, they're just now getting to know who you are and you're just now getting to know who they are. 
And when you leave every 18 months to two years, how have you affected anyone's life? I don't even know that you can. I mean, I'm sure you can, but it's pretty minimal. And, um, and I think, you know, you're, you're not even being able to pour into, and I think youth pastors kind of miss this sometimes. You're not even able to pour into the children's, uh, who are in the children's ministry live to where when they come up, you know, they, they know you and they're ready for you and, and they're ready to listen to you and get involved. And we, we want to see that excitement build not, not fall or not wondering who it is. You know, I, I think of, I even think of the sports analogies. I mean, when a coach is a coach for a short period of time, man, that team's not going to be much. But some of these coaches who've been around a long time, I mean, you think of Bill Belichick. You know, he, he's been there forever. And when guys come into that system, they know what they're getting, they know what they're doing, and they're on board for it, and they just know what to do. And it just makes more sense. I don't understand why we think this way about other things, but not ministry. Whereas ministry doesn't fully happen until you've been there for a while. That's some. That's a good word, Dave. Chris, how long have you been at, at Garrett Memorial now? Uh, it'll be eight years in May. Yeah, yeah. My last place I was at nine. I'm here, been five. And in five years, I just feel like, okay, now the, now the people are getting used to me. <laughs> yeah. Right. And now there may be a point to where the people are like, I'm starting to wonder now, okay, I've been here 14 years. Are they over me? <laughs> are, are they like, yeah, we've been there, done that. Yeah. Maybe it's time to move on. Right. Yeah. Maybe we're done with you, but uh, I'm not getting that feeling. And I'm sure not saying that if any of our church people are listening, I'm, I'm certainly not ready to move on. <laughs> But, um, yeah. Hey, Dave, you know, I'm hearing, I'm hearing you talking like, I, I, I mean, 13 and a half years at, uh, at a, at a church in Texarkana, Arkansas that started with just a summer temporary gig. And right. now here you are 14 years at FBC Celtis and you're going into another temporary season. Oh man. I feel, don't hurt I, feel like just, I feel like you just hit your second win, man. <laughs> I'm just yes, saying, right? I'm. Uh, it, let me tell you, it will definitely be a wilderness dwelling if I'm in this for another 14 <laughs> years. These poor teenagers aren't going to know what hit them. Hey, I, I've got a question, and, and I'll, I'll pitch it back to Dan after this. But the let me preface my question by just saying this: I, I remember, uh, and, and it's just still very, very vivid to me. And I've shared this on our podcast previously that the Lord put put it on my heart. Um, just personally, uh, when it comes to ministry, that kind of everything that you just said is true. Like I remember in college, I had opportunity to say yes to some youth pastor opportunities. Um, and I just, I, I said no to those. And, and, I, and I got questioned from people that I respect and, and I still respect. And they, they said, you know, why? Like, and, you know, they said, you need to get experience and that kind of thing. And I, I just did not want to see ministry as just me trying to get experience right um and use it use a church you know and, and 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 even use kids as really a stepping stone and and I know that and please people out there listen to me I, I'm not accusing anybody of, of doing that I, I think it does happen mm. uh, but I'm just saying I, that was a burden on me like I didn't I didn't want to do that and I was like how much do I really think that I could get done in the next year and a half when my life is very uncertain at this point in college and and so the Lord put a burden on me to whenever I do say yes to a church, like I want, I want to, 
I really want, like it was a desire. I really want to be at a place and say yes to a, to a, to a church, to a people with a long-term intention, right? Uh, knowing that full well that long-term can mean a lot of different things, um, I guess, and, and, and God can do whatever he wants. But that was just, I mean, it was really a desire and it's still a desire. I, I, I guess my question is this, how has, it seems like you've had a, a similar burden to that. Yeah. Um, how, how has the Lord affirmed that burden just in your ministry experience, whether it be through things that you've encountered in student ministry or conversations with pastors, you know, how has the Lord affirmed maybe that burden in your life? I'll tell you the biggest affirming thing to me from that. The other mantra that I don't know how true it is, I do think there's some truth to it, is that when teenagers leave the church, they graduate high school, they graduate from church. We've heard that. We've heard the statistics of, you know, we've heard all the different statistics of how many students leave and don't go back to church until somebody drags them back when they have kids. To me, the thing that I've seen over my youth ministry, and it's not 100%. I mean, I don't want to say I've got 100% of my students. I know I've got people who went through my youth ministry who have strayed, and they're not in church, and they're living terrible lives. Okay, I realize that. But I also look at there are a huge amount of teenagers that went through those years with me and I think one thing we don't realize that we're showing them and we're stating to them when we stay, when we don't leave at the first sign of trouble, when we barrel through the difficulties and we come out on the other side and it's like, look, we're just doing ministry together here. And those teenagers see you stay and they see you work and they see your wife work and they see your family doing all of this because we we can't take our family out of it and they see them getting involved and they love it. They want to be involved. And so really I right now at our church, I mean, we see several, several families who were in my youth ministry who are now having kids uh, they're deacons in our church. I mean, that's that's crazy when somebody who was a teenager in your in your youth group just a few years ago is now one of the deacons at your church and one of the best deacons at your church. I mean, you know, <laughs> we've got fantastic deacons, that's and cool. this guy is out soul winning, and evangelism is just on his heart, you know, uh, and. You know, I see, I can look at others and right now, you know, Dan, I'm stepping back into this. And the first thing I'm faced with is, oh my goodness, I've got to have a D now in February. I've got to get people to lead these things. And I'm looking around going, well, that kid was in my youth ministry and that person was in my youth ministry and that person was in my youth ministry and they loved it. And so guess what? They're about to lead my my D now for these kids. Yeah, And when you start seeing them pull in and work and want to serve the Lord and willing to do whatever it takes to keep this church going, they, they maybe have gone off to college. And while they're at college, you see them serving in a church and then they come back. Uh, I remember one student, he, he went down to Beaumont to college. And about three years after he went to college, he was still in college there. He came back. He had a conversation with with the pastors at Keltus and said, look, I love you guys, but I, I feel a burden to be a part of that church and serve in that church. That's my home church now. I'm there most of the time. I, I didn't want to leave Keltus without talking to you guys and without walking through that with you. 
man, what a beautiful thing that was for us. We were like, dude, you need to go serve that church. That's exactly what we trained you to do. And so, you know, now he's working in, in the church and he's serving in the church. And, and um, that's, that's really the most affirming thing. And, and I'll tell you, you're not going to see that if you're constantly moving from church to yeah. church. Yeah. Um, you might be at a church for a short period of time and God may move you after a year, 18 months. I mean, I'll tell you four months after I was here, we had some devastating things that happened at the church that, that I thought, man, we're not going to make it. <laughs> I mean, we're just not going to make it. And God pushed us through and there's just nothing like seeing those teenagers and just a huge group of them serve the Lord in their local church, be it Celtus or wherever they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool, man. I've got to ask a, a, a kind of a big question um, as we look at this. Uh, you had the opportunity to, to speak at our 2019 Student Ministry Workers Retreat that we host. You served as one of our breakout leaders, and you talked about this idea of long-term ministry. It's clear that you believe that it's a good idea. I think that's the common thought between all three of us is that long-term ministry is always and should always be the goal. That's what we want to aim for because of that long-term impact that we can have. So how do you survive it? How do you thrive during that long-term, especially in a student ministry? There's so many ups and downs, so many different things that can happen. Dave, give us some words of encouragement and advice. I'm just lazy and don't want to move. Oh, okay. That's what it is. I'm just lazy. Podcast over. We're you done. Know, podcast <laughs> over. <laughs> Hey, you know, hey I, wait, I'm not going to move past that too too fast because dude, there's some there's some truth in that. There like, is some truth in that. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I mean, I, I will say I've moved to a lot of different houses in all those years. Yeah. <laughs> so there are moves you can make that can kind of yeah. get scratch that itch. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I think, well, first of all, if you're trying to do this without God's word and without prayer, then you've completely missed the boat mm-hmm. and you've completely yeah. missed what you're doing. I also think, and again, I'm, I'm, I have no experience with this. So guys, if you're out there and, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this wrong, then by all means, let me know. I tend to think a lot of guys who are short term guys kind of pull out their bag of tricks, do it, look at it. They're looking for youth ministry stardom. We all know for the, you know, looking for that superstar youth pastor. And then after 18 months, they're done and they're going to, they're going to find a bigger church with a little bit bigger budget and they're going to move on and they're going to pull out that bag of tricks there. And then they're going to do it at the next one. And then they're going to do it the next one. And what I realized a long time ago is I'm not smart enough to have a bag of tricks. I don't have, you know, some brilliant thing that's just going to, you know, and if I I wasn't popular in high school, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, had no friends. I had a lot of friends and every, you know, people knew me, but it was Potosi. There weren't a whole lot of people there. So, (laughs) you know. But look, if you're trying to find fame and fortune in youth ministry or in ministry in general, you're not going to find it. I mean, you're just not. And when you do, it is not going to last because the second you stand on something right, it's going to fall. And so I think the thing you've got to rely on is God's word. 
I mean, your preaching can't be when when you're speaking to teenagers or when you're leading worship to a congregation, I can't just be, what do I feel like doing? What, what is going to please the people out here? What is going to do, you know, what, what songs do we sing that are going to make me look good or that are cool? And what cool synth thing or cool guitar lick can I put in? No, when I'm now I'm I'm getting into the worship part a little bit here, so sorry about that. But when I'm when I'm looking at the music, I'm like, I'm like, what's what's going to cause these people who are part of the congregation I'm a part of? What's going to cause them to want to praise God with everything they have right now? And what's going to cause them to want to sing louder so that they hear each other or are encouraged by one another? In youth ministry, what it's not what brilliant thing I have to say. It's what brilliant thing did God say in his word? Greatest compliment I've ever gotten in youth ministry was from a dad whose daughter, they were part of a different denomination church in town, his daughter was coming to our youth ministry and he said, man, I appreciate all that you've helped them with because, um, you know, you've, you've been a big part of my girl's life. Both his girls came over to our youth ministry for a while. And he said, this was the compliment he gave, you know, she said it was great because she'd come to this church and she'd come to our youth group and I would open God's word. I would read God's word. And then I would tell them what God's word was saying. And, you know, I was like, so they're not doing that? Well, no. I mean, she just said it's just great because that's what you do. And I'm like, is that what we're supposed to do? And unfortunately, I think that's the problem. That's what a lot of people are not doing. And so I think it's it's really that simple. You know, stay engaged with God's word. I mean, you got to love the teenagers and let's face it, this is the this is the this is the part that I another part that I think we get wrong. You got to love their parents. Mm. If you don't love their parents and you don't work with their parents and you don't make friendships with their parents and the longer you're in it, you're going to find out you're closer to their age and have a whole lot more in common with their parents than you do them. <laughs> you know, when you get when you get the parents on board, you've got something good. And I think the only way to do that with a healthy church is to through the word of God. So, you know, I don't have any tr- again, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm really not. I don't have that bag of tricks that makes me look cool because there's nothing cool about me. You heard me geeking out over Star Wars earlier. <laughs> All I have is God's people and his word yeah. and the Holy Spirit. If we've got that, we can we can make it through whatever trial and tribulation mm-hmm. comes our way and come out better for it. Hey, man, that's good. That is so good. I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there because look I, I haven't been anywhere 14 years by god's grace I, I i hope and to be at this place for that long and longer but uh the reality is that at the eight year mark the it, it's noticeably different than the first i would say the first three years mm-hmm. uh, because the first within the first three years like you're saying like it, it's not that i had a bag of tricks or thought that i did but everything's new, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, I haven't taught anything yet, you know, and I, everything, you know, and I'm teaching and everything's, and now, now you're like, okay, eight years in, it's not, it's not that, it's not that I can't teach something new, but it's, 
you know, there's work this has to, I mean, and, and it comes right. down to not just putting things on a calendar, but man, doing the hard work of, of teaching the word, because that is, that is the work that we've been called to do uh, of teaching right. the word to them. And, and that means feeding ourselves and, and learning and growing on how to do that. So, yeah, I, I could go on with that, but I just, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. That's a, that's a really good word. Yeah, man. And, and I also think, you know, we can't leave discipleship out of this out of this conversation we've got to be discipling these kids and and by discipling i mean i'm now looking at it thinking my goodness i blew it all those years because i didn't i didn't fully invest in showing them how to invest in the younger kids and so that's just something that i'm kind of bent on right now so this group right now i don't know that they know what they're about to get but uh uh, so. They're getting old Dave. <laughs> old Dave. More seasoned. Old Dave. Watch <laughs> this Empire Strikes Back mess. Pawpaw Dave. <laughs> well, listen, Dave, the um, the idea of surviving and thriving, it, I mean, it's really not complicated from what you've described. And, and really, that's the heart of it is investing in God's word and God's people. I mean – yeah. That's what you're talking about. And, and if I can encourage anybody out there, it's this. And people, other people have said this, but look, if Dave Vandergriff can do it, you got to know anybody can. <laughs> anybody can. It's not rocket science. Well, listen, Dave, before we wrap up, there is a, a kind of a final question that I just want want you to touch on a little bit. You made a point or you, you came to a point and you said, okay, I'm not going to do student ministry. I'm going to shift this over. I'm going to become the pastor of worship or wor- pastor of music and media. Yeah. Now you're being pulled back into student ministry, which is to me hilarious because <laughs> that's hilarious. just how it works. You know, yeah. you think you're out and then they pull you back in. I mean, it's that type of thing that goes on. But how did you know it was time to transition to make, make some changes there? Man, that's a hard question. Honestly, a lot of it is you do get older and you start thinking, how much longer can I, can I do this? Cause there's a lot in youth ministry that you, you end up doing. I mean, now I've always been crazy. I love lock-ins. I've always loved lock-ins, uh-huh. late night stuff. I mean, I'm a late night guy. I, I, you know, have a hard time going to sleep before midnight. I mean, so I think you got to have a craziness about you, but but I think there comes a point where you start questioning that. And then honestly, I wonder, I've wondered about this since Dan, we started talking about this, how much circumstances come into play with this? Mm. How much, how much circumstances kind of dictate what goes on. And, And for me, I was in two ministries that were just getting larger and more, more difficult I mean, Dan, when we started youth and music ministry in the mid nineties, okay, which seems like a thousand years ago, yes. <laughs> um, music ministry was pick out four songs out of the hymn and ask someone to do a special music. Yep. That's what yep. music ministry was. Youth ministry, we had it completely wrong most of the time. And it was let's play games with the kids and open the Bible a little bit and take them to camp and to a conference. You know, and let's go eat at Wingstop with them. Man, as as I got in there and our youth ministry in Lufkin just, it was growing and getting 
more involved and there was a lot with it. And in youth in music ministry, I mean, my goodness, music ministry takes a lot now. I mean, it really takes a lot of work, especially if you're trying to work with a choir um, and with, with all the musicians and, and, and I mean, we don't even have an orchestra or anything. We have a band. It just takes a lot. And there came a point in my ministry where a couple things happened. One, I, I got to give a shout out to Paul Oshesky, who was the youth pastor the last four years. He took a lot of burden off of me in youth ministry those last few years I was doing it. And we kind of saw we kind of saw it happening. So I started putting him more and more in charge of things. In fact, the last year I was doing youth ministry, he was preaching half of the, the Wednesday night youth ministry stuff. He was at all of our things. He was doing different things. I mean, I was making sure the teenagers knew he was there and how important he was. And so I think that transition, without that, I think this would have been real hard because the one thing that transitioning you can't do is just say, well, I'm going to music or I'm going to media or I'm going to change this. And now the youth ministry is just going to sit there and figure it out on their own. You can't do that. You got to make sure it's a lasting thing and it's got what it needs. And so for us, it was a lot simpler because, I mean, we had Paul. And he was, he was taking care of that. And then I had this music ministry that really is where my heart is, is, is in leading God's people and, 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 um, showing, not showing, but, you know, teaching them how to encourage one another in song and teaching them. We don't just sing songs because they're happy and feel good. And so I, and there's a lot more with that. I, I won't get into that. That's a whole different subject, but but we just saw there was an opportunity for this to split because youth and music, which I think is ridiculous for people to do youth and music ministry. It's just two humongous ministries. Uh, so it was a lot of circumstances. There was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of um, talking to people. Should we do this? You know, the first person I would encourage someone to talk to is their spouse. If your wife's not mm. on board with something, you probably shouldn't do it. And so, you know, she was on board with it and and making sure that the, the people in the church were ready for it. So, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it. But as far as really realizing and knowing it, pray about it, watch those circumstances. You know, the blessing for me was that when, when I stepped out of it, man, the teenagers were like, we're not letting this happen. And that was, that was, that was neat. Yeah. But, but it was also a teaching moment to say, man, this youth ministry is not about me. And it's funny now because four years later, even though some of those kids were in the youth ministry, probably 90% of the teenagers in our youth ministry now don't even remember that I was the youth pastor. That's hilarious (laughs) to me. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say to, to really feel that out, you kind of just know, but talk to a lot of people. Talk to your spouse, talk to your pastor, talk to other elders on your staff, talk to other people in that ministry and say, hey, what's this going to look like if I transition out? Uh, for me, it was kind of pretty clear we need to divide those out because the ministries were just too large for me to keep up with. And we had an option, so we took it. So, hey, Chris, who knows? Now maybe we'll pull you down to Lufkin. Hey, I hear there's a job opening. <laughs> well, I don't have a truck, 
<laughs> hey, I have proven you don't have to have a truck for them to love you. So you just won't be a true Texan. All right. But that's well, about it. I, I don't, I really, uh, you know, I probably, that was probably my weakest answer of the night, but you know, you just, you just kind of got to work it out with a lot of different people. It is. I mean, transitioning, I, I went through something similar at, um, at Temple. Towards the end, I was going to be the worship pastor. That was going to be my total, my my sole position there. And then what happens? I get pulled down to Calvary, and I get pulled into my role with the Department of Youth. And so here I am. I'm back in student ministry <laughs> five years later. And <laughs> oh, damn! What is wrong with us? We must know, have a mental issue that keeps yeah, dragging us so. back in here. You have the larger one because you like lock-ins. Both Chris and I have have an opinion about that. One of these days, I'll tell you the coolest lock-in I ever did. It involved a giant 10-foot, maybe 8-foot, no, 10-foot mirrored maze that Eric Johnson and I did. That's crazy. It was incredible. Well, listen, we, we, we got to wrap up. So let me ask you, Chris, you got any any other questions or things you'd like to say to Dave? Man, I, I could talk to Dave just all day long. Uh, I, I've missed I've missed seeing you, man. This, this has been a, a great conversation. But, uh, yeah, I... I, I I could ask a lot of questions. I'll just say this, man. I, I, I so appreciate your perspective. It's, it's encouraging to me. I think it's going to be encouraging to uh, everybody who, who listens. We, we both know that there's uh, we can write down what we think is an ideal setup for ministry. And, you know, and, and we rarely hit the ideal. But, uh, man, I just think there's something very, very biblical about having a Going into ministry with a, with humility, knowing that it's not about us, um, but that God has called us to a people, um, and He's called mm-hmm. us to minister and to give ourselves away and to to teach and um, and I just think there's something to being at a place for a long period of time and, and sticking it out and and you've said all that and so I, I just want you to know I appreciate your perspective and uh, thank you for your words. Man, thanks, Chris. I appreciate that, Dan. I appreciate that. We've had a long friendship and a never ending one. And Chris, I, I, we, we should get together sometime. We should, uh, we should do that. And, and I appreciate what you guys are doing with this podcast. Cause a lot of youth ministers need to hear this stuff. It's been great. I will admit, Dan, it's a little weird. Every now and then I open up YouTube on my TV and there you are. But, uh, <laughs> But it's kind of cool too. So thank you guys for having me. And if, uh, uh, you know, let's just keep the conversation going. Absolutely. Well, we, we do appreciate it, Dave. It, um, there's, there's a lot of years of experience. There's a lot of different things that between the three of us here, um, that we've, we've gone through and we've, we've seen. And, and Dave and I've, we were doing youth ministry back in the early, in the 1900s. That's oh what I, <laughs> I had teenagers telling me that reminded me, oh, back, what you, the jury? Like, thanks. <laughs> back at the turn of the century. Um, yeah, I do feel old in those moments, but that's okay. the first computer our church had. That's how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> Filled up a room, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, we, again, we could, we could stay on here and talk with Dave for a long time, uh, but we need to wrap up. If you are a student pastor, if you are a student ministry worker and you need some encouragement, reach out. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to connect info at studentministrymatters.com. We're also going to include in the show notes, some ways that you can get a hold of Dave. If you have any questions for him, I'm sure he'd be willing to, to send you an answer and get connected with them. But just, you know, keep keep working, keep serving. We're 
in a new year. Hopefully 2022 is going to be a better time than these last couple of years. We're going to be able to go forward and we're going to keep loving on students because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.